Yeah, I got a D-Stacks beat. Listen to the beat, y'all. Come on, D-Stacks. Bring it in. to Queens on the Road podcast. This is Latavia here. And I first want to say thank y'all for continuing to rock with me, even though I have been on a hiatus. Your girl has been on a hiatus because she had to get her life together. And one of the things that I had to do to get my life together was have an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, which is what this episode is all about today. And I wanted to share this story with y'all because as a person with a disability, sometimes these routine checkups that we have to get as we get older can be an experience and boy was mine an experience and I just wanted to share that with y'all so you can know what to expect know what it was like from my perspective as a person who has a disability and is in a wheelchair and it explains why your girl's voice is a little bit froggy because I am still trying to recuperate from the procedure but before we get into it it's it's time time for for I would like to thank Shantae Usman and Eric Green for their donations to Queens on the Road podcast. I thank y'all so much for supporting the podcast, for supporting me. Thank you so much again, and you guys are amazing.
All right, let's roll. So before I get into my story, I just want to explain to you guys what an endoscopy is and a colonoscopy is. An endoscopy is when they take an endoscope, which is a flexible tube that has a camera on the end of it, and they put it down your throat to see your throat and your stomach. And a colonoscopy is the same thing, except they take a colon scope and they put it up your rectum or your butt to get a good picture of your rectum and your colon. Story time. So I had to have these two procedures done. And I did these procedures because my mom was like, you know, after 30 years of constipation, I think you should have a colonoscopy just to see what is going on up there. Because due to me having cerebral palsy, I have struggled with constipation for a long time. And my primary care doctor agreed. So he referred me to a gastroenterologist. And the gastroenterologist says, I agree too, but I want to do an endoscope because you have been on iron for a long time due to anemia and sometimes being on iron for a long period of time can cause internal bleeding. So I just want to make sure everything is okay in your rectum and in your colon and then I want to make sure everything is okay in your throat and in your stomach. So y'all know I was not a fan of this at all because I have seen my mom go through colonoscopy preps and it is not fun. So I was not a fan of it. But when the gastroenterologist explained how important this was and how serious it was, I was like, okay, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to do it. So I had to take a COVID test two days prior and that came back negative. And fast forward to prep day. On prep day, I get a call from the hospital like around 2.30 p.m. And the receptionist informs me, you're not supposed to have anything to eat or drink 24 hours before the procedure. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, I wasn't informed of that because my gastroenterologist told me don't eat anything after 3 p.m. So I had seafood to eat like around 2. And she's like, okay, well, I guess this is okay, but usually... You don't have anything to eat or drink 24 hours before, so you can make sure everything's out your system. She said, but the gavelite is a laxative, and you're young. Hopefully, it will clear out everything. And she was just giving me the details on what the procedure was going to entail, what I should wear, that I had to come an hour before my procedure because it was scheduled for 11 o'clock. So I had to come at 10 a.m. And, you know, just giving me the details about everything. So we hung up and at 3 p.m. I started drinking the Gavilite, which is the laxative. And let me tell you, that drink is so disgusting. OK, I mean, it tastes like salt with lemon. It was just disgusting. And guess what? You got to drink eight ounces of this every 10 to 15 minutes. And it's a gallon, you guys, a gallon. Now, drinking it every 10 to 15 minutes was a problem for me because 
when I drink fluids, my stomach gets full really fast. So that was hard to do. And then to top it off, one of the side effects was abdominal fullness. So you feel full. So I could not drink it every 10 to 15 minutes. I had to do like every 20 to 30. And around 5 p.m., it started running me to the bathroom. And I had to sit on the toilet from 5 all the way till about minutes to 11 p.m. Because I have a lift system that takes me to and from my bathroom. But the way that that stuff runs through you, you don't have time to get in the lift to go to the bathroom at all. So it was just best for me to sit there so that I could avoid accidents. So you have to drink it till it's gone. So thankfully, I had my lovely mother here to help me. And I realized that I could not do this alone. Like if I didn't have my mom helping me, it would be extremely difficult. So shout out to mom for helping me throughout this whole thing. So I finished the Gabalite around 8 p.m. And I stayed on the toilet, like I said, until minutes to 11. By that time, I was done. The prep was over. Now we're fast forwarding to the day of the procedure. So I'm a little hungry because I haven't had anything to eat since two the day before. So I'm hungry. And we arrived to the hospital for the procedure. And they're checking my vitals. They're telling me everything that the procedure is going to entail and making me sign a consent form because certain things can happen during the procedure. So they're checking my vitals. And mind you, I am scared out of my mind because I really don't like being put to sleep for procedures. I really don't like it because it just puts me in the mind of when I had my 18 surgeries. So I really don't like it. So the nurse tells me, oh, we need a urine sample because for people under the age of 55, since you're going under sedation, we need to make sure that you're not pregnant. So I'm like, well, that's not going to happen because I can't hoover over a toilet. And let's face it, who sits on a public toilet seat? And then not only that, but I haven't had anything to eat or drink since 2 p.m. the previous day. So my bladder is completely empty. If I knew that I had to take a urine sample, I would have done it at home and then I would have brought it in, but nobody informed me of that. So she's like, oh, okay, well, we can do a blood test. So I'm like, okay, fine, let's do the blood test. They have to put the IV in anyway, since I'm going under sedation. So they were trying to get the blood while they were putting in the IV. So the nurses tried three times to get the IV into my arm, but they were unsuccessful. So they had to call the anesthesiologist. And before he put in the IV, He tells me, you know, what they're going to put me under and how it's going to go. So they were going to use something called propofenol. So I said, okay, that's great. But just be mindful that due to my CP, I do have a very strong gag reflex. So 
you might have to put me all the way out. So he said, that's understandable, but I don't want to use anesthesia for you because then we have to intubate. I'd rather not do all that because then that requires so much more and I don't think you need it. So I said, okay, we could try. I don't know what to expect, but we can try. But I'm just letting you know that my gag reflex is very strong due to my CP. So he says, okay. He then proceeded to put the IV in my arm. I sat there and waited for the blood work to come back. It came back that I was not pregnant. Now it is time for the procedure. So I'm doing the endoscope first. And they had me gargle with this thick, nasty substance because the anesthesiologist said that she does have a strong gag reflex. Let's numb her throat. So they had me gargle. Then you had to swallow it. And then put the propofenol in. The last thing I remember is they said, oh, wow, she does really have a strong gag reflex. We're going to have to put her all the way out. And then I woke up in the recovery room. So when I woke up in the recovery room, I felt like I couldn't move. And that's because since they had me under the sedation or propofenol, it got rid of all my spasticity. So my spasticity helps me move. So when that's gone, it is extremely difficult to move around, to do anything. I felt extremely, extremely weak. So I remember calling the nurse and I said, nurse, I have to use the bathroom. And she says, okay, I'm coming over to help you. So she's trying to put the bedpan underneath me. And she says in a nasty tone, look, you have to roll over so that I could put it under. And I remember saying, well, first of all, excuse me, please do do not talk to me like that. Second of all, I have cerebral palsy spastic quadriplegia, which is the worst form of TP because it affects my whole body. And I was just put under sedation. So it gets rid of all my spasticity and my spasticity helps me move. And because my spasticity is gone momentarily, it is very hard to do like simple tasks. So I'm going to need your help. If you cannot help me, I'll just wait for my mom. So she apologized and said she was sorry and she helped me. Then my mom came in the room and we were waiting for the doctor to come back with the results. So the doctor says, as I've told you before, you know, if we saw anything in there, we would take a biopsy of it, remove it, and then test it to see what it was. But in your case, everything went fine. Everything went well. Your colon is a little loopy, but we were still able to see everything and everything was fine. There was nothing in there. In terms of the stomach, there was nothing in there either. But we did see a little redness, which can be indicative of H. pylori which is a bacteria infection or celiac disease, which is a condition in which your immune system like overreacts to gluten and cause inflammation and problems with the small intestines and everything. So they did take a small piece of that to biopsy to see what it was. Then it was time for me to go home. So I got dressed, I said thank you, and I went home. Now, you're not supposed to drive, do anything, right? Or do any work because you're still under sedation, but of course, I had to drive my chair, but my mom made sure that the car wasn't parked so far so I didn't have to drive it that far. So I got home and my throat was sore. And that's to be expected because the endoscope was down my throat. And I had horrible, horrible gas pains, which is also to be expected because with the colon scope, they push air through to the rectum so that it expands the colon and they're able to see the lining. So I had horrible, horrible gas pains. 
pain. And gas pains are terrible, especially when you're in a wheelchair because we're sitting down all the time. And in order to expel gas, you have to be up moving around. So because we sit down all the time, the gas kind of gets stuck in the stomach and it just stays there and it doesn't really move. So it is extremely painful. So I had to put warm compressors, which helped tremendously. And that was the end of the ordeal. And your girl is in perfect health. But y'all know me, right? Y'all know I had to look up what a loopy colon is and see what it's all about. So I did just that. It's It's fun fun fact time. So according to medical news today, a loopy colon is also known as a torturous or redundant colon. And that just means it's an abnormally long colon that twists and loops to fit inside the body. It can affect the entire colon, but it most often affects a part of the colon called the sigmoid. And they don't know exactly what the cause of it is because there's many causes, but some of the causes can be congenital, meaning you can be born with it, or it can be caused because your muscle contracts a lot in the colon, or it can also be caused because there's a genetic disposition, which means that it's something that was in your family. But y'all know that I have my theories, right? So no one in my family has a loopy colon. So I rule out the genetic disposition. But some of my theories are because I was born as an X-28 weaker preemie, that could be why I could have been born with it and just nobody ever knew. Or the more plausible one, and again, these are just my theories, is that because it's also caused by a lot of muscle contractions and it has spastic CP, my muscles are always contracting. So therefore, because my muscles are constantly contracting, that it could be because of my CP while I have a loopy colon. Of course, that's just my theory, my personal opinion, but they do say CP causes constipation, right? So what if constipation is caused not by the lack of movement because that's what they like to say a lot of the time but because the muscles especially for people with spastic cp are constantly contracting and it caused the loopy colon again it's just my personal opinion and my theory but i think more research needs to be done into that to see if cerebral palsy is the cause of it and some of the symptoms of a loopy colon are gas pains and constipation which your girl doesn't have gas pains or a lot of gas rolling around but I definitely do struggle with constipation and that is definitely a symptom that is understandable because the feces has to go through a lot of loops and turns if you have a loopy colon so it may take it a while to get to the rectum who knows It is time for the quote of the episode. And the quote of the episode comes from the great Gandhi. 
And he says, it is health that is the real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. And so this quote embodies the episode for me because a lot of the times, at least from my perspective, people with disabilities, including myself, don't really like going to the doctor, getting these normal routine checkups because we already know it's going to be a struggle, right? So we don't really like to do it. And not only that, but people in general just don't like to go to the doctors and get themselves checked out. But health is wealth, right? And if we don't take care of our bodies, then we can't do what we love to do. We can't go out to work. We can't do things. So we need to take care of our bodies and in turn, our bodies will take care of us. So I'm saying all of that to say I implore everybody to go out, check your health, check up on things, make sure everything is good and copacetic and just take care of your health. And on that note, that is all I have for you today, folks. Thank you again so much for rocking with me during this hiatus. I know it's been a minute. Your girl has been gone, but I'm back now. And so I greatly appreciate y'all hanging in there with me. And thank you so much for subscribing, for sharing, for running the numbers up. If you would like to donate to Queens on the Road podcast, I have a Patreon account. There's four tiers up there for you to choose from. Again, thank you for following me on Instagram. Thank you for following me on Facebook. And if you have any questions for me, you can email me at queensontheroad.podcast at gmail.com. Again, my email is queensontheroad.podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you guys so much. I love y'all. See you next week and we are rolling out. Bye guys.